0: Hello and welcome to episode one of the advanced screening. My name is Justin Corbett and welcome to what is hopefully your weekly podcast for film and TV. Uh, On this channel, we're going to be talking about TV shows coming up, TV shows that we're watching, the state of streaming. We're going to kind of give you tips, where to find shows, what we're loving. And we're going to do the same for films. Films that are coming up will kind of play some games, bounce around some ideas, do some auctions, do some drafts. Um, It's going to be a lot of fun, and I'm going to do it all with my regular co-host, Tom Kelly. How are you, Tom? Good. How are you going? Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. You excited, F1? Yeah, I'm like geared up, like
1: like jack me into the matrix. Let's go. And uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? So, I'm an art teacher. I work at a, a school... Uh, where we do I uh, teach art and film photography but obviously I come from a really digital background and filmmaking background so obviously I'm, I'm a native amongst this and, and maybe not so much as you working in the film industry but yeah like I work with this sort of this idea of
0: high concept art all the time. I like that I asked you tell me about yourself as if I haven't known you for 20 years um, <clears throat> gone through primary school high school didn't go to uni together but here we are Two years later, still still hanging out. Lived in the same building for a year. Lived in the same building for a year. I think that's when, like, that's the genesis
1: of this podcast is, like, living in the same building for a year where we'd sort of come over to each other's houses and watch movies and TV and sort of that's where I think a lot of our dialogue about what maybe prestige TV and sort of cinema sort of originated from.
0: Yeah, we got to... um... Each each week, a different person would pick the film, and there was no questions asked. We're sitting down and watching that movie, uh, which was a lot of fun. Um, As Tom kind of mentioned, I am a documentary producer, so not in the drama space, and I don't really watch docos, so I don't know if we'll talk about them too much unless they're incredible, but um, otherwise, really big fan, just pop culture, I'm pretty mainstream, Kevin Feige, Marvel... That's my jam Where I'm coming from the other
1: end Where I'm like Marty Scorsese And it's almost like Hi Art is it Like Tar is it Like
0: Kevin Feige is the Antichrist So you mentioned Tar uh, Was released It's been out in the US for a little while Released in Australia in the last couple of weeks Um, I know you saw it recently Tell me a bit about what you've been watching
1: Um, I don't think I can tell The only problem with it Is I can't talk too much about plot Because once you start talking about plot You're talking about one of the sort of main reveals Of the film, but Kate Blanchett is phenomenal. She is a leviathan. She is massive. She is colossal. She is Lydia Tar, egot winner.
0: Um, <laughs> Lydia Tar, the um, the fake character that the entire internet thinks is real and yeah. has believed is real for the last two months. But the, the film opens with like
1: a New York. Uh, it's like the New Yorker festival, and apparently it's introduced by like one of the the head writers of the New Yorker, and it's in this sort of uh, sort of theater space. And it's like a forum. And it's real people. Alec Baldwin? Alan cancelled Alec Baldwin. Playing himself? Yes, as like a podcast host is in the audio as a voiceover in it where he's interviewing Lydia Tarr. And that's goes only for about 30 seconds at the start. But it's almost like it grounds Kate Blanchett's character very much as a real person living in this universe. COVID exists within the film. Um, it's Phenomenal. Um, I love it so much. It talks a lot about, and coming from a perspective where it's about, art. I'm an art teacher, um, and really passionate about what the discourse about art and artists and what that means. Um, I'm really passionate about this film because it enters into all those sort of ideas where the whole idea of her being in the classical musical realm where she's a classical musical conductor... That's the. You could easily say she could be uh, a fine artist, or she could be a filmmaker, or she could be a photographer. It doesn't matter necessarily that she's a classical music, although there's some interesting context in that because the whole idea is classical music is dominated by this sort of
0: Austro-German Bach and sort of <laughs> da, 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 that sort of stuff. Um, but how do you tell me? Like, we'll, we'll jump to what I've been watching in a sec, but. I saw a trailer for Tar. Yes, and the average cinema goer sits down. Trailer comes up, and the trailer is Cape Blanchett's face for a minute and a half with voiceover as smoke just pours out of her mouth and covers the screen. How does that sell this movie at all? Because I saw that, I'm like, <laughs> you, you are going and seeing Cape Blanchett for two and a half
1: hours. That's what you're seeing, and okay. it's Cate Blanchett. Bowling at 150 clicks. Like, and that's what you want. Like, Brett Lee, sort <laughs> of, like, in and around, sort of, like, the block hole. She is phenomenal. I think she's in pretty much almost every scene, or not even just saying almost every shot so she's in.
0: So, have you seen everything, everywhere, all at once? I've been meaning to, I started it for five minutes the other day, and then we realised that we were both on our phones, and it's almost like, this is the wrong context oh, to watch this. do not watch that on your phone. Yeah, so... so Okay, that's interesting because I think Everything, Everywhere, All at Once is phenomenal and very, very confusing, but like very unique filmmaking and Michelle Yeoh should win lead Best Actress, but it it doesn't look like she will. It looks like Kate Blanchett, every frame, as you said, of Tar is the front runner right now. I think this
1: gives us a good sort of leaping off point where in the next fortnight you have to go see tar and i have to watch everything everywhere all at once
0: yeah all right we'll do that we'll come back um it's really our convenient ideals as well it's like a an action multiverse movie produced by the russo brothers who made all the recent marvel movies and lydia tar 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 with kate blanchett (laughs) made by todd fields who hasn't made a movie in 15 years and it's like it is like
1: capital a art film yeah like it is makes. no in sort of way for the audience to access at times. Um, it can be quite obtuse you don't know what's actually going on in the film. I will can I just spoil it just, just
0: I'm not spoiling something major I'm spoiling the, the first two minutes. If you don't want to uh, look it's first two minutes of tar so it probably won't affect the movie but skip ahead, you've got 15 seconds. <laughs> the film opens with the credits for the film and the credits go
1: for five minutes.
0: Oh, you're going to, if anyone listens to that who hasn't seen it, you're going to turn them off so much. It is phenomenal what he is doing,
1: Todd Field. The lady who I was sitting there, not my partner, Sam, my partner, I went and saw it at Palace. She was next to me and she's like, what is going on? And the lady sitting on the other side of me um, was on her phone during the credits. And it's almost like, oh my God, Todd Field's like, has he he put on some move series? he giving given (laughs) finger but you'll understand as the film goes on. But it's actually, it's really highlighting all the things and all the people that can sit under these great artists. Like, Woody is seen as, like, almost like a Hans Zimmer or a John Williams of, like, music in that sort of sphere. And then the whole idea here is, like, it's not, greatness doesn't happen in a silo.
0: It's all the people underneath that can make this sort of thing happen. Sorry about that. No, no, that's that's what we're here for, because yeah. I'm going to diverge way off that and really tell people early what kind of people we are, because um, the most recent film I saw at the cinemas was uh, Megan, the new horror film from Blumhouse, who's done amazing stuff. He's kind of like the god of horror right now. And everyone knows what Megan is. It's the dancing doll. It's the little creepy dancing Can you doll. Give, give me a bit of context. Give me an entry point into this.
1: Because I'm not... As to that why interest. I went and saw
0: it or... I know why you would have, but give me like a selling Why point. is it so big? Um, Megan is a gay icon right now. Um, Whoa. Because it's something to do with her... So Sus- is Lydia Tarr. I've heard Lydia Tarr as well. Um, it's It's really it doesn't sound great it's not going to sound great you're not going to go want to go watch it no, but, but it's so like it. it's like the it, it's really appealing to the tiktok generation it's a modern kind of horror film in that she does things and says things that everyone at home will laugh at it's very self aware it's not it might have been because they had to kind of hit their pg13 rating right. there's apparently a longer r rated cut you can see where they've hidden the blood hidden the gore when you go watch it but it's hilarious so And it's intentionally hilarious The whole idea is that Megan is what A living doll? Megan is Megan is uh, a modern version of Chucky Right. Megan is uh, an artificial intelligence doll Created by the aunt of a child um, Who doesn't want to parent that child When that child's parents die That's not as oh, well It happens in the trailer wow. um, And she's super busy And rather than parent her niece. She works for an artificial intelligence company. She creates a doll to look after her niece, and this doll will do anything it can to protect her niece. And she sings at weird times. She dances at weird times for no reason. She is intentionally creepy for a lot of reasons, and it, it, it knows exactly what it's doing to a modern audience. To not make you particularly scared. I think there was probably one jump scare in the movie yeah. that kind of made me gasp a little bit, but otherwise it's it's going for funny. It's going for funny. And I just want to pull up because I don't know what Lydia Tarr's done, but Megan, a small little 90 minute horror film from Blumhouse has grossed $160 million worldwide. I think that's about like four times what Tarr has got. <laughs> but $160 million. But is it non? That's... Not nominated. Sadly. Not nominated. So it won't roll in any Oscars, but on something like a thirty million dollar budget, this is what Blumhouse does pretty much. So that's that's kind of our film comparisons. Do you have any films, uh other films or TV shows that you kind of No, watching? let's let's just jump straight into
1: TV and obviously a big show for us at the moment is The Last of Us. We're three episodes deep at the time of recording, but obviously when this comes out we might be at four or five. Um we both love it, I think, for different reasons. I'm coming from the perspective, I played the first two games, I love them very much, they're very dear to me in that, that sort of context, even though I wouldn't say I'm a huge gamer in that sort of context, I'm very much into this idea of narrative games and stuff like
0: that, and that almost games replicating a cinema experience. So, Which is pretty much having not played the game, but read a lot about it, that's what the last of us is famous yeah. for right it's it's cinematics uh you almost spend as much time watching animated cutscenes as you do playing the game the the narrative that it
1: sells to an audience or provides to an audience is just it, it's quite emotional what it goes through and even though it's sitting within this zombie sort of world and there is sort of like obviously if you're playing a zombie game there's only gonna be aspects of horror of course but um that's only really much the background of it, where the core narrative is about sort of
0: what you do for love, and sometimes people do really terrible things for love, so yeah. And um, for, for background, if you haven't got on The Last of Us yet, the game was made by Neil Druckmann, and written and directed by him, and he is a co-creator and director on the series with Craig Mazin, who um, made Chernobyl, so that gives us a little in point to how it's kind of relating between game and tv show which you can tell me um spoilers up until ep3 if you haven't watched ep3 yet but so far it was pretty match for match shot for shot and then ep3 was widely regarded as one of the best episodes of tv ever made
1: huge departure from the game so i i I might do a bit of context just for an audience perspective and if you've seen it you know i'm talking about but i'll I'll sort of fill that out so you've got is it Bill and Frank is that the, bill is that Frank one? so the whole idea in the game that bill is sort of like a prepper he's sort of been able to hide himself from the outside world in his sort of compound highly militarized compound lots of weapons um, but also very sort of siloed away from the rest of the living world in the sense um, and he's sort of a wayfarer in the game where you get lots of ammo and guns you have to do a couple tasks around his compound and then he fills up your car and you run on your way and then you might run into a couple zombies on the way sort of thing so that's pretty much what happens but also we know we discover in that interaction that Bill had a lover or a partner as he called it that was Frank and then in the game we find Frank has killed himself and then there's a couple snide sort of jokes about like oh finding like gay porn of bills and stuff like that. So that's from the game. Do you want to sort of give us a bit of a synopsis of yeah. the episode?
0: Yeah. And so we, as you said, Bill and his quote-unquote partner—that it's never explicitly talked about. Uh, Frank is already dead, and Bill kind of is pissed and doesn't want to talk about it. What we do in the third app is what they—it's um, not technically a bottle episode. There's a whole. Google bottle episode, last of us, we're not going to go into the definition yeah. here, but our main narrative of uh, Joel and Ellie, we see him 10 minutes to start 10 minutes at the end. And then the 40 minutes in the middle is this incredible meat cute in the apocalypse love story between two men who really tell the story of what the creators of the TV show are trying to get at, mm. which a lot of apocalypse shows in the past haven't been able to do. And that's what is the point of surviving an apocalypse, I think, is their thesis for the show. And they're really getting that through Bill and Frank is Bill, a prepper, he's happiest when everyone's gone. This is what he's been waiting for. I love the scene where they're they're doing forced evacuation of communities.
1: And Bill is in his bunker with watching his sort of videos, like
0: surveillance. And he's almost like, you're not going to get me, you jackboot fox. And that is, uh, I heard an interview with uh, the creator. He essentially said, I don't know if you know this, that he writes what characters are thinking yeah. in their script. And Nick Offman, Parks and Rec fame, beautifully cast in this. We expect him to be this really hard guy. And then we're subverted by the fact that he is gay and really cares for this partner. Um, he saw that as a thought track for his script and just turned to the creator and said, I'm going to say that. Say that. And it's, And it's amazing to introduce him as that character with that line when you don't even see his face yet. Beautiful. I've brought it into my own lexicon of everyday language in the past (laughs) week. So I I love that. Um, And just to quickly touch on Frank, Australian, Murray Bartlett. um, Killed it. Killed it. Uh, Was cast in this before season one of White Lotus even came out. You might know him as the hotel... um, Concierge. Concierge. Uh, Was cast in this and was just incredible... Um, any any wrap up notes on Last of Us? Well, I
1: think it's interesting what's happened is also, and I think this is really
0: important to address is like the backlash that that has occurred in the past week. Where it has um, if you go on IMDb, you'll see. Um, I mean, we don't want to ever say that something getting bad reviews are getting review bombed, but thirty-four percent of five stars and then some in stars and then twenty five percent of one star. Yeah. So that is what the industry will generally say is a review bomb if it's that stark of a contract. And I think what's happening there is there's there's two things to this obviously.
1: I think first of all you've got people who've played the game who like are really dedicated to the IP saying you've actually deviated from the IP. But at the same time, if you're going to do a TV show and you're going to do it shot for shot and it present no new ideas or no new sort of content or a different perspective, what's the point of actually producing the television show? Go, go play, the, play game. the game. It's pointless. And then I think the second point is, obviously, there has to be a homophobic streak to this sort of review bomb too. And I think that's apparent. And I think we can also see that in how various sort of film and television has actually had these review bombs in the past for things like like representations of gay and lesbian characters but also just having diversity of characters on screen so for example easy example is last jedi for star wars where it's almost like we've seen sort of characters who are gay or sort of like characters who aren't white or black or asian and then it's almost like i don't want to watch that show or you're fucking around with my cherished ip which was 30, 40 years ago which was just all white people and some aliens and it's almost like no fuck that and on top of that sorry i know i'm going a bit of a rant neil druckman in the game there's quite sort of we already knew that bill is a gay character they've only just built that world around him yeah. further and then also i thought it was really interesting and also in the last of us 2 and different parts of that is they build upon diversity of characters both in background and sexuality and also political sort of spectrum too. So this is in keeping with the sort of the way that Druckmann necessarily works and the ideology of the game, which should then be embodied in the TV show, but it shouldn't necessarily be like the light. And also I think it's actually really pertinent that it's almost like, you know what, if we're too white Anglo-Saxon, Australian, Australian <laughs> straight, 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 straight white guys with partners, sort of thing, and it's almost and it's a bit hard for us to make necessary comment about gay characters or it's th- that that experience. But I think it's quite pertinent where it's almost like you've got a character there who might be sort of identifying maybe as gay but not out, and when are they going to come out? When the world's gone to shit, it might it's actually part of the storytelling that he's letting go of his hang ups because the world is fucked. And why wouldn't you? Well, yeah, that doesn't that—that's part of it, which I think is really
0: interesting. But people are just almost like gay character in my IP. Fuck off. And it's it's like don't they they were fine with it when it was in the game and it was made a fun of. There's a scene from one of the cutscenes where Ellie finds a gay magazine and jokes that the pages are stuck together. Yeah, that's, and it's like that's that's a 2013 joke when the game came out. Like we're in 2023 it's, now, it's ten years it's later. It's not even a 2013 joke. It's like a 2010 joke when the game was in production.
1: Yeah, and now it's almost like it's. Fifteen years later or so, and it's almost like, you know what? That that joke has aged poorly, and they've actually made the right editorial decision to not keep it.
0: We'll um, wrap what we're watching in one second. I want to ask you. Let's yeah. kind of do a quick run through. What's um? I know you've got a show on your mind that you want to talk about that no one wants to hear about. Oh, Velma. Velma. Oh, uh, I only watched <laughs> the first two eps. I I think possibly was- the worst rated show. On TV history. Review bombed by both the left and the right. It, it is for
1: no one at all. I thought it was just such a wild swing that I actually sort of enjoyed the first two episodes because I was almost like, nobody's ever done this. I'm seeing something that... And so just for context, it is an origin story of Scooby-Doo, but from the perspective of Velma. Oh, but Velma is an, now not white, but Indian. In 2022, and it's and it's an animation, but it's like an MA animation, as super well. adult um, animation. It's wild. It's doing stuff that I've never seen on the screen. <laughs> it's saying stuff I've never seen on screen. That and I no think, one wants to hear. But I think part of why I enjoyed it so much is that at is shock, shock Factor, where maybe on the third or fourth app, that sort of wanes. Uh, I don't know. I might come back to it. I might not. But I
0: enjoyed sitting it down with it for an hour, <laughs> just from being almost like. Well, wow! Lucky you. It's just been renewed for a second season. <laughs> Bullshit, because it's been uh, "quote unquote" hate watched. Uh, everyone's reporting that they just go on and watch it because they hate it so much, and they have to see what the deal is. And they all come out saying that was the worst time of their life. No offense to the creators, but this is not, by all accounts, a very good show. Have you seen it? No, no, because I'm not going to hate watch but it. But we're talking about it, and you know what? It's driving subs for HBO and binge. Yeah. Is it on... Okay, yeah. So, because it's a HBO Max show. HB it's so, it's Finjin in Australia. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, on the on the other end, uh, I just I won't go too much into it because you cannot explain the show at all, but I just finished watching the three seasons of Dark, the perhaps best depiction of time travel ever put in TV, um, German show on Netflix. You really need to watch it. Um, but no, I need is, to watch it. You need to watch it, but that is not a phone show. Yeah. First off, because it's subtitled, so you'll miss sentences completely and second off because every episode features at least one or two characters traveling backwards or forwards in time so if you're not watching it <laughs> or paying attention <laughs> or paying attention because it's in german because it's in german and time travel and there's like narration at the start of every episode just to guide you back in if you miss that because the german you're not gonna go what's <laughs> happening so definitely keep an eye on that um we're gonna take a quick break and then we're gonna come back with uh what we are calling the Blind Movie and TV Show Auction. This is going to be TV shows of 2023. Well, the first
1: half of the financial year of 2023. Oh, we're doing financial year. Yeah, yeah, we're going to July,
0: baby. Up up until June 30th. Uh, We'll explain those rules when we get back. Sure. Okay, and we are back with the Advanced Screening Podcast. Uh, What we're going to do now is a little test of a thing that we might throw around if it goes well. We're calling it the blind auction. What we're doing is we each have individual lists that we haven't looked at. Uh, We haven't seen each other's lists. We've put prices down next to our most anticipated shows between now and June 30th. Uh, Shows that we think are going to kind of hit the... Zeitgeist, a uh, term that I never use, but you just used I it use all the <laughs> you time. Use all the time. So I've stolen it. Um, shows that we think we we'll really break through the culture, we're most excited for. We've put down a price next to it. And like if you've ever been to a blind auction, which we never had, so I had to Google it because we're not rich and can't afford <laughs> blind auctions, you essentially have something you want to buy, you put down a price, you submit it, and then whoever has the highest price gets it. So we've flipped a coin off mic. I won, Justin. But also, should we outline just price mechanism? Yes. So, we have a thousand dollars to spend. Uh, as the winner, I put forward my first show. I tell you what my price is. If you have a higher price for that, you get that on your list. And then the minimum buy. So
1: the minimum buy-in for each show is fifty dollars. You can't be like sneak
0: in and buy like your fifth show for a dollar. Yeah. Correct. Because um, there's a couple that we both think we both want. um, But there's also a few that Tom will have that I've never heard of. I might have a couple Tom's never seen. So we can't go big on the big shows for $995 and then get four shows for a dollar. So $50 minimum. We each take it in turns to put forward a show. Whatever price you have, the other person puts their price forward if they want it. And they take it for that price if it's higher. If it's lower, then you get what you want. if you've stopped listening, that's okay. Don't stop listening because (laughs) we have no idea how this is going to go and we'd love your feedback. Um, uh, I'm going to start. I know Tom knows there's a big show coming up. Can I just get the... I just want
1: to... What are you doing? With the number one selection. Oh, It's the ad. It's the (laughs) 15 second ad. I have the draft sound ready to go.
0: (laughs) If we um, figure out how to do an edit, we'll put in what we actually wanted. If we can can sort of fill the next
1: three seconds, I'll have it with the number one pick.
0: I'm putting forward. (laughs) Succession. Four. Succession season 4 HBO Sunday nights Binge in Australia for $550 $700 <laughs> <laughs> You've gone real high I, I am not fucking around So $700 goes to Tom You get Succession on your list That means you have 4 shows to get at minimum 50 For $300 Yes Okay. You're really going to go dig in the deep barrel on this one Well, I think this is... Talk to me about Succession as you've now claimed that.
1: It is the biggest show in television. Maybe besides Dragons. And when I say biggest show in television, it's the biggest show in television for people who really give a shit about TV um, and doesn't watch, like, commercial... Like, they don't watch maths, pretty much. Yeah. It's huge. I love it so much. It's so sharp and witty And fucking hilarious but also a sign of our times where it's a show that a huge media conglomerate that owns HBO and it's a show about this huge media conglomerate and there's a there's a meta sort of aspect about it um it's
0: wonderfully acted um with I mean, if you haven't if you haven't heard about Succession, I'm not sure where you've been. It's this this uh, airs in March, the fourth season on Binge in Australia. Um, it's phenomenal. Sarah Snook, Australian alum. Um, it's just so good. A rich family doing horrible shit to each other. Um, it's yours.
1: Yeah, I'm so psyched. I, I'm I'm really pleased to see what Jeremy Strong's going to be doing this year, post... What was it? The New Yorker piece post, from last uh, year?
0: Jeremy Strong plays uh, the eldest son who thinks he should inherit Hamlet, it. pretty much. Pretty much a Hamlet. And my God, is he a sad sack. Um, in the show, in real life, he's fucking weird.
1: Well, I think that's the point <laughs> he's where... He's intense. Ma- uh,
0: Jeremy Strong plays it like it's Shakespearean,
1: and then Kieran Culkin, who is his brother in the show, plays it like a slapstick comedy. And those... Such diverse acting sort of approaches just creates fire on the show. It's, it's so great. I'm so excited.
0: It's brilliant. You get it. Oh, man. <laughs> but, I mean, I hope you have nothing else on my list because I'm, I'm sure I'll have a higher price than you. I'm might. ready to bone this turkey. <laughs>
1: yeah? With what? Um, I'm going with my draft selection. Number two? Number two is your show. From, with $150. <laughs> fuck off. <laughs>
0: you don't even watch it. I don't care. I'm taking I the should've... show you want. I should have known that you would fuck me up straight away. I had From on my list for 50 because I assumed Tom wouldn't take it. Um, Considering it's now on your list. Tell me anything about the show, I From. I know nothing. I know you wanted it and now I've taken it. I am here to play. Tell me all about it. Well, if if we put this on a poll, I'm sure no one else has watched From, sure. so hopefully it goes against you when we uh, when we vote. From is a fantastic show. From uh, some of the creative staff of uh, Lost. Uh, it's on Stan. Season one, season two comes out in either Feb or March. About a collection of eclectic people, much like Lost was, who through some kind of mystical thing, end up in this town. They have, were driving on road trips all around the US, and yet no matter where they were going, they end up in this town. Some shit's going on. Monsters come out at night, so they all have to stay in their homes at night. Monsters can take the form of family members to trick them to oh, let wow. them in and kill people. Um, it's, it's very, very cool. There's a lot more stuff going on other than that. Um, Is there anybody in it that I might know? Um... Michael Pelle, Pellegrin, okay, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. The, he played uh, Walt's dad who I think his name was Michael in Lost if you remember, yeah, vaguely. Um, he's yeah vaguely, um, otherwise no it's a, it's a lot of unknown faces and they're all doing really really well with a weird premise, um, I can't give too much away just watch the first season, it's only eight eps. it's very very good, um, mystery box done right with monsters who eat people. Uh, are you going to watch it? Now? Maybe it's on your list. Maybe
1: I don't care. I wanted it to take it off you. You got a bat deep because now you are in one and two are off the
0: table. I don't know if I want to just get something I want or if I want to. You took that for one hundred and fifty dollars. You have one hundred and fifty dollars left. Three shows for fifty. Yeah. I okay. don't think I don't have got
1: any of these three, and that's why I I thought I needed one hundred and fifty enough to be like you will you won't put that much out there because I know you'll put enough money down on the table for succession. And I blew that away. Well,
0: I am going to put my succession money. Okay, so on a... I have free succession money. I have something down my list, which is A, can I put my succession money on it? Yeah, you can because you don't have anything on the board yet. I've got two. I'm going to put... Five hundred and fifty dollars on Auntie Donna's coffee cafe. Oh, <laughs> was that on your list? That's certainly on my list for fifty
1: dollars. But oh, you, 50. But let's just think about it. You spent five hundred and fifty dollars
0: on Auntie Donna <laughs> just to get back at you. This is already off the rails. Um, I'm gonna take that happily uh, for our international audience that doesn't exist um, yet, hopefully, Uh, get this in the archives and come say hi. Uh, Auntie Donna Coffee Cafe, coming from the comedy troupe, Auntie Donna, who did Uh, Big Old House of Fun on Netflix, which I think was kind of a sensation during lockdown and really launched these guys into the stratosphere. They are bringing their next series to the ABC. Similar premise, they've got it set up in a coffee Coffee house, as, as per the title. And um, set to be pretty fucking weird and wild, which is the same as everything that they do. Was that in your five? Was it actually in your five? Arnie Donna was not in my five. But it, was in ele- my, it was in my second but five. But you've elevated it to up the order. with you after you've, what you did to me. It was,
1: you've almost like you've lost two wickets early, but now we've, we're going to elevate somebody up the order yeah, yeah. to keep the run rate ticking. Yeah, yeah, Steve Smith comes in at number three, mate. We're all good here. <laughs> we're all good. The third pick of the blind um, auction. No, I'm so excited about that. I had that. That was, that was my next pick. Um, I know it's more niche. It's only for an Australian audience in this context. Um, It's also I'm really pleased that the ABC are actually investing in sort of comedy again and it's also not just boomer comedy where it's almost like I feel like the ABC has perpetuated a bit of a stereotype over the past two years where it's almost like the comedies that they're producing while they're fine. Um, are very much for maybe catering for a certain audience
0: while Arnie Donner might be sort of skewing maybe a, a touch younger, maybe not that young. It's still. interesting It's interesting that um, they Arnie Donner as a comedy group have been around for probably a decade. Okay. They've been on YouTube forever and the ABC unfortunately probably had a chance to get these guys in the last 10 years they, and never did. They've
1: definitely done a pilot for the ABC before yeah. and I
0: think in the
1: past they've seen as been a,
0: a bit of a risk just because...
1: The humour can be quite absurdist and off the wall. Um, I'm a Patreon of Arnie Donna. That's why I am I am so in on that. I didn't them.
0: know anyone was on a Patreon of anyone.
1: Well, I'm on Patreon for a couple of things. But um, no, I'm so excited about the show. And because it's uh, Arnie Donna's, what, Coffee Cafe? Yeah. Um, and it's
0: obviously going to be talking about uh, Melbourne coffee culture and stuff like that. So I'm really... And if you go to their YouTube channel, they've done an entire series in a trendy cafe. They, they tend to focus their YouTube series in areas. In and a, on a location. On a location. Idea. They want in a school or an idea. And I think they did probably 10 episodes of their YouTube special in a cafe with various ideas. So they've done it. I'm really excited for this. I'm really pleased that the ABC
1: have taken what they might see as a risk, but if Netflix have bankrolled them, it really shouldn't be a risk. But um, do you want to pick it up on the... Your, is it no, my pick? That was,
0: that was my pick. I'm going to jot down that you've got Succession for seven? 700. And from the show you've never seen for 150. Yeah, And <laughs> I have Arnie Donna, which was my probably my eighth backup, my, my number eight, um, I shot it to the top for succession money for $550 so it is now because that's off the board I need to bring somebody
1: into the batting list and I'm thinking I'm going to take something that I think you might have or oh, actually maybe that's a bad idea up to you man. Because up to then
0: you you might get it on the cheap or do I go something that you definitely don't well, have? Uh, per the rules, if you're going something you think I have then I need to keep my blind auction money. So I can't steal it from you by putting more money onto it. So whatever Uh, it's on my list for, if you want it, put it down. I might have a higher price. I might not. So I'm going to bring it up. I'm going to elevate it up the batting
1: order. And I'm bringing Severance Season 2 on Apple TV for 50 smackaroos.
0: Do you know when Severance comes out? Oh, it's going to be the second half of the year. I didn't put it on my it's list because it's DNF. It's not on my list. It, it, it doesn't qualify. June 30, financial year.
1: Oh, I've snookered myself. Okay, um, I will bring that back. I'll actually put on the board what I actually, next what are to you the backing list, I'm bringing a Netflix Australian production, mm-hmm. Boy Swallows Universe. I don't know that much about it, but I know that um, it's a much loved sort of text. Um, my partner has read it, um, it's sold a lot of copies within the Australian context, and Netflix are, are backing it, it's filmed
0: in Queensland. Um, How much are you putting down? $50, because that's all I have. All yours, because I looked it up, I've never read the book, it oh, seems so- kind of interesting, I, I'm, I'm hoping that people in the industry that I might work with in the future don't hear this, but... I'm just not sold on Australian local productions yet. What do you the, mean? The, I, the Tim Wintons of the world, The it needs to be Australiana, it needs to be really kind of telling the Australian story, um, which Boys' Swallow Universe it very well reviewed, I haven't read it, but just like make really good dramas that happen to be in Australia. Don't make them where, like, they rely entirely on the fact that they are in Australia. Can I put something down on the table then
1: to back up this sort of argument? Yeah. The yeah. counterpoint. So the person who's actually... I think the person who's making the show, I can't remember the name necessarily, but the show that they made previously is the ABC drama from last year, Wakefield, which I think was one of that the shows. Have you, have that you was seen good. it? yeah, yeah. I thought that was phenomenal, and it was this idea of uh, a nurse working in a mental health hospital and it was quite absurdist and surreal where they're sort of losing grip on reality, but then their hallucinations would almost break in the show tune, song and dance. And um, it reminded me of this show from like the mid-2000s called Blackpool, where... Haven't heard of that. uh, It was... How to describe it? Again, similar sort of premise, but it was more like a drama, a crime drama, but the, the whole idea is it would then infuse in the show tunes and stuff. It was a bit like how... There was that series of Underbelly in the King's Cross where it was almost like Cabaret. Yep. Does
0: that make sense? Yep. Um, so. They're, they're bringing a, speaking of to deviate a bit, they're bringing a King's Cross show back as well. Yeah. Um, was it Stan? Yeah. With um, Tim Roth of um, uh, Reservoir Dogs. Yeah. Um, so I'm,
1: whatever, because of Wakefield was so great. I don't care. I'm in on what they did next. I think it was one of the best shows of last year, not just in an Australian context. I think it was just one of the best shows. It was so inventive. The acting was phenomenal. The writing was great. So I'm backing them. Almost as universe. Yeah, and because Netflix are are also backing that as well as an Australian production, I'm all in on that. And I think it will maybe not radiate from an international perspective, but because it's Australian content, um, I think it will sort of work. Um, it's a shame it's probably not on an ABC. Um, maybe it won't get, a, maybe it will actually find a bigger audience because it's on Netflix. I don't know. But um,
0: I, think, I think hopefully, um, particularly with last week's news, that uh, the government are going to be telling international streaming channels yeah. to uh, have a certain quota of Australian content is very good um, because it definitely, while well, you want to see that kind of stuff on ABC and SBS, the budgets are just so much bigger which a lot of the time not every time but a lot of the time means the shows are a whole lot better so yeah. it's pretty exciting and it's kind of the first the it is exciting to see how it goes because it's the first instance um even though they made it already of what's to come with australian content quotas on big streamers i might just give you like the quick byline on premise of voice walls universe so eli bell He's a foul-mouthed
1: Tom Sawyer character trying to find a way out of his hand-scrabble existence to his dream job as a writer for the city newspaper and to his dream girl. Eli's older brother Gus is gifted but does not speak. He can, as it turns out, but refuses to. That's your entry point. Okay. I'm just excited <laughs> about, like, a big-scale Australian production, really.
0: Fair. All right. Uh, because you dropped so much money on Succession, I can pick whatever I yeah, want, and, and you mm-hmm. won't take it. I am going to go Mandalorian season three, yeah, two hundred buckaroos. Um, Let's have a chat. Let's go Mandalorian. It was it was a new way to do Star Wars, um, and it didn't even really feel like Star Wars. Put away your your at least for. a a good portion of it Your Jedi's And your lightsabers And your mystical the Kurosawa Western buddy in is, space Eddie's western In space um, Lone cub uh, Lone wolf Just trekking his way Through space Taking jobs Killing people It's pretty Mystery. much Just Joel From the last of us it it Pedro Pascal oh, what a coincidence Played by the same person Except you never see his face Um Mandalorian but- is a Is a phenomenon And Whether you like Star Wars or not, there is a lot to be had in the first two seasons. Um, Very, very cool looking, practical sets. A lot of the time, new technology a lot of the time in what they're filming. Um, And I think season three is going to move even further away from the Jedi and really focus on Mandalore, which we don't need to get into.
1: Well, I, I didn't have it on my list. Really loved the show. We've talked before previously about Andor and how much we love that production under Tony Gilroy. Um, I'm still a bit soft on it. Like, in the sense, I I love season one. Season two, I didn't like as much. Um, Mainly because the world just got bigger and they obviously built in, like, Luke Skywalker was in it as a character. Didn't love that. Where, like, I'm big on the original sort of trilogy and all that. Like, I'm very much Star Wars is my IP, I suppose, from a nostalgia perspective. But... um. I don't know. I'm 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 questioning of the direction of Star Wars, especially post Andor. That maybe we should reconsider the direction that this IP can go in. Where I think Mando is at times a bit safe. I thought I am interested in, with the whole Mandalore origin story about the, the because of in effect that like the Mandalorians are really like these quite they they're zealots they're they're religious zealots and fundamentalists and some of them and some of them aren't. So there's this that factionalism that we haven't explored in the Star Wars universe but I'm just my my worry is the opposite where
0: it's they, like it might get bogged down in law they just need to be careful that um, Dave Filoni uh, who wrote and created the very very popular never watched it animated series The Clone Wars which everyone goes crazy for is uh, the writer and creator of Mandalorian as well so he you started to see in the second season that he really wanted to bring his characters into live yeah. action you started to get people and people would pop up and you'd be like, I have no idea. You'd have to do a Google, do a wiki but to because, figure out who they are. But it was so
1: based in the law where it's almost like, I don't mind that, but it was almost like, it felt like it was pushing that. It was, we're going to find ways to wedge in these characters or this law that that we're really into it. It's almost like, uh, even somebody at Star Wars, it's almost like, I didn't care. I want something
0: new. I want. It be... feels like it's balancing between the, the lore of its audience and uh, it had that new crowd through the first season of its Western. Baby Yoda. Yeah. And then Baby, Baby Yoda, Yoda sells Yoda. toys. Baby Yoda or Ellie in a knife fight. Go.
1: Ellie. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Badass. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Not, not going to hesitate.
0: <laughs> no. Um, might get flung across the room, but I think Baby Yoda is not quite up to it just yet. Hasn't got the guts. Hasn't got the guts. Too cute. Too, Too busy vomiting on fish eggs. Doesn't know what it's like to kill a person. <laughs> um, hasn't
1: got a gun either. But well, Ellie's got a gun. <laughs> Ellie's, Ellie's <laughs> gonna have got a gun. They have three spoilers. Ellie's got a gun. <laughs> um, but maybe that should be like episode, the episode. Episode. Sorry,
0: the title for episode four. Ellie's, Ellie's got a got gun. A gun. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Give me your fourth pick. Probably something I won't have. Uh, I'm
1: coming in with Party Down. So Party Down, <laughs> Oh, you've got it! I've got Party I'm, Down revival. I'm actually hundred dollars. I, you, well, you've clearly outbeat me. I love that you've got <laughs> it.
0: I love that. Do you want to? Do you want to have a first crack at it? Um. So when did Party Down come out? Are we talking early two thousands. Oh, like oh four, oh five. Yeah.
1: Before pre Adam West on Parks and Rec and stuff. So Adam Adam's West. Called. Sorry,
0: Adam Scott. I'm getting my Batman mixed up. So Adam Scott is uh, Ben Wyatt from Parks and Rec. He is um, also the lead in Severance season one last year, which Tom tried to sneak in for season two. Um, amazing premise, which I think was ahead of its time. They'll try and do something different where you have a core cast of characters who run a party catering business, who are all sort of trying to crack crack that entertainment industry so to a certain extent. Trying yeah. to get into L.A. in some way. And so you have your core cast of characters, but the setting they're in every episode is different because every episode takes place at a new party they're catering. So you have a supporting cast that changes every episode, that offers new things, new interactions, new ways for the characters to react. I think, as a premise these days, that it gets sold in a second. Back then, it only lasted two seasons, but kind of got a little cult following. Especially
1: once like it was in the catalogue of some streamers, it took off on a DVD sort of thing. I remember I found it, like, on ABC iview in, like, 2009 and absolutely loved it. It's um, very good. It also stars Lizzie Kaplan, who is going to be back. Um, and she's, at the moment... Anything she is in, she is the best thing in it. So, recently finished up with uh, Fleischman is in Trouble, which was on Disney Plus and yeah, is she in that? Uh, yeah, and she is by far the best thing in it. She's great. She's so watchable on the screen. So, she's previously in, like, Masters of Sex with Michael Sheen. Um, no, but uh, she's great in everything. And, I'm and obviously, that was the first place I sort of saw her and um, Adam Scott. I'm so pleased they're back. There was a lot of chemistry between those two characters, um, it's much-loved sort of um, piece of media for me. But it's also got a lot of people who've gone on to greater successful things. So it's got the was the woman from Glee. Jane Lynch and, is in it. And, and Jane it Lynch
0: is coming back too. They've got pretty much their entire cast coming back. And then it
1: was the guy who then went on to Silicon Valley.
0: I can't remember the name. No, 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 no. but does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: Um, so, yeah. So a lot of, like, that, that guy. A lot of that guys In the background. Something. And just such a cool premise. And... With the fame that these people... I think the reason why I was so excited is the fame that these actors have got and the fact that it's getting a revival almost two decades later. The The premise of the show has really, really big chances for cool cameos because every episode is going to be in a new party, a new place. The people that they're going to interact with... Do you think with, they're still working catering? They're still in their outfits in all the promos, so... I mean, that's going to be a big thing about adult failure if they're 20 years later and they're They're still still doing doing the catering business. Or they've had to come back to it. Or they've had to come back. So it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. And I've taken that from you. So we're three for three. You've got $100 left to spend. I've got $150 left to spend. So we're actually back into (laughs) touch and go (laughs) territory right now. Um, So with $150 to spend, I'm going to um, two spots. I'm going to put $100 on Yellow Jackets. Yeah, great pick. So I haven't got on my board. You can't take that, but you didn't have it. I know that you actually watched the first episode this weekend. Yeah. Why don't you tell me about your first ep, uh, instincts and then I'll tell you about kind of oh, well, my feeling. There was that opening shot where it's almost like, it looked like something more
1: from like, what was that Leo movie that he won the Oscar for? Um. Oh god, uh,
0: the Revenant, Revenant. Yeah, It looked
1: like something straight from that It looked feral and wild And it was like, they're wearing sort of like Animal skins, it's like, this is wild I'm in Eating some unknown red meat <laughs> But then it deviates completely It goes to like this mid-90s Sort of Americ- Americana High school sort of soccer team and I loved it. I loved the aesthetic that they created, this sort of gender politics sort of that's going on at the moment. With, well, not at the moment, but at the time, um, the characters that they formed, that they, that, um, Smashing Pumpkins was always sort of playing in yep. and around the background and the cast of characters they created and then jumping between them in 1996 and then them current day was almost like, oh, what's happened here? There's something that's gone wrong with these people's lives. Or they've sort of benefited from that and it felt like there was a slow reveal for each character. So I've only watched like most of Ep One because we were tired and we we're almost like let's watch save this. it. Let's save this. Watch this properly. Um, I only got it because I, I've only got Paramount for the month.
0: Um, well, and, get it done in the month then it's, and it's uh, so. It. So for um, everyone, this is on Paramount. This is on Paramount Plus. Um, the, yeah, it's the a, worst of the streamers. Currently, bottom of the streamers, yeah. but. Um, Worth it for this show, uh, yeah. A bunch of a female, all female high school soccer team, and three of their coaches. They go to nationals. They go to nationals. They're traveling. They get lost in a storm. Their plane crashes, and they're in the wilderness. Yeah. And so ensues the program. Uh, that that's literally all you need to know. Uh, there's this team crashes in the wilderness. We have split timelines where we pick up about four survivors. 30, 25 years later, and them going about their lives, and stuff starts happening to them that hints there might have been more survivors. And through their interactions in the present, we learn that they're not telling everyone the full story about how they survived. Um, There's possible supernatural elements, there's definitely some grim scenes, there's some bloody scenes. Uh, it is a very very good show. Second season coming out uh, March.
1: Also really good
0: cars. Like they've
1: got what Christina Ricci, which Christina is she's on a thing at Wednesday. the moment, like post Wednesday,
0: and then uh, Melanie lazinski is Lezinski that? from? Um, she started out on Two and a Half Men as the girl that kept climbing up Charlie Sheen's wall, but oh, going right. on to do a lot of great stuff. She, since she's then. done such great stuff since. And. Episode 4 of The Last
1: of Us, she's going to be one of the slavers from Pittsburgh. <laughs> the, 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 I have seen the trailer. The
0: Pittsburgh slavers. So, uh, funnily enough, um, get ready early March because I believe that releases the same day as Succession Season 4. Ah, they're So, go- get busy. Um, so, you have two spots and $50 per show to spend. Or you could divvy it however you want. No, it has to be fifty per show. Can, for I, two. can I just double down? And maybe we can round it out, and then we can finish
1: on yours. Yeah, go for if both because okay. I don't think I'm going to have either of them. Okay, I think I can put down fifty dollars Perry Mason season two. Yours, and then I'm going to put fifty dollars on White House Plumbers.
0: <laughs> okay, which one would you like to talk about? I'll talk for about us. Perry Mason first. So I know Perry
1: Mason, I know of it. Wasn't on my list. So Perry Mason, HBO series original sort of um source material was this la noir sort of he's a much sort of cherished character throughout history um and it was pretty much following him where he's a lawyer but also pi sort of thing la noir 1930s love it all in uh it cracked the the aesthetic that i was really into um it's really cool old school detective story yeah just such a fan of it um I'm a big fan of those sort of Raymond Chandler novels. L.A. Noir when it was on PlayStation like almost a decade ago. So that aesthetic and vibe I'm really into. So I'm really pleased to see that on the on HBO coming back. That wasn't on my
0: initial five, but I've elevated that up the list.
1: Um, who's the, the main actor in that? i have just...
0: Uh, Let me just get it up. I don't know his name, but he is the main guy from uh, the Americans. Matthew Reese. Matthew Reese. Uh, if you watch The Americans, really, really good show about Russian spies in America in the sixties or seventies, um, he's the main character. He's got a decent sort of CV body of work behind him. He was great in that, and I
1: think it's yep. probably the best thing he's done.
0: Cool. And um, tell
1: us about what the fuck is White House
0: Plumbers? White
1: House Plumbers are also coming to HBO later this year. Uh, pretty much, it's the story of Watergate
0: Oh, okay I have seen this I didn't know that was called
1: White House Plumbers So it's going to have Ju- Justin Theroux Yep Uh, Lena Heddy Yep Is that the right one? Uh, Lena Heddy When's Le- it coming? Uh, I think it's the first half I'm pretty sure I did my research on that I can get you a nah, date
0: Nah, nah, take it Because I did see a trailer at the end of last year So it should be coming the yeah, first I, half Yeah,
1: I think I checked it um, And then Woody Harrelson Yep uh, Don Hall Gleason. Uh, stacked cast Kin and
0: Shipka Trailer looks really good So
1: it's stacked um, Again We're dealing with Sort of this again At Americana But Watergate And I think there was a, a Really popular Well Maybe not popular But Well reviewed series That nobody really watched A lot last year Which was the Julia Roberts um, Gaslight Yeah That was on like The Stars Network Or something But got picked up on Stan People really liked it That saw it But not a lot of people Saw it Watergate's having a moment Well, I think that it's it's no surprise that these shows are sort of lining up given where American democracy is, where where investigations of Trump and things like that, where that sort of makes sense. There are parallels where we're not saying that Trump and Nixon are the same, where actually Trump is doing way worse crimes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Where it's almost (laughs) like Nixon... Nixon did a little bit of, like, spying. I think Trump's (laughs) done a lot worse. Nixon did some, like, like run-of-the-mill bad political crimes, where it's almost like Trump is doing... The greatest political crimes a president could probably do, other than maybe mass genocide. Of and their then admit to them
0: it. on your favorite app, Truth Social. So, Are you, is, this,
1: is this podcast going to get pushed on Truth Social? <laughs> oh, big time. We're going to go everywhere we can, man. Um, uh, so that, right. White House plumbers, yeah. yeah. I,
0: I'm actually, I didn't know at first. I'm sad I missed it because I'm actually really excited about that. So, those two uh, weren't on my original
1: five, but bump them up. But, yeah. I know it might not be the most interesting picks though, of going solid with HBO. No, no, we're here to tell people. But at the, again... Keep an eye out. The whole idea is HBO is your blue chip. It's hyper-reliable. It's going to be What you're going to get. And it's we've talked about this with The Last of Us where if that was made by like an Amazon Prime, you'd be almost like, oh, that's sort of an interesting premise. I might check it out.
0: Yeah. Where because it's on HBO, there's actually like... Almost gets like the blue tick. It, it does. You should... Um, in, in case like HBO, pretty much every HBO show in Australia airs on Binge. Mm-hmm. Um, for And that puts Binge, to tip back to our Paramount Plus conversations, one of the better streaming services out there just to get those HBO shows. Mm-hmm. And Although it, it is news limited back, but the, the, you have to do the deal uh, with the yeah. devil to get succession. <laughs> yeah, 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 pretty much. Um, all right, well, that puts you done. I'm going to wrap up with my $50. It's touch and go on its release date, but it says Summer 2023 and we've had a trailer for it, is Loki Season 2. Yeah, okay. Um, so we'll slip that one in. Uh, this is me praying to Kevin Feige. Uh, if you don't like Marvel, you're not going to listen. Lucky it's the last pick. But Loki, Loki Season 1 was phenomenal in what it did, showing the kind of depths that a superhero or supervillain can fall, Reevaluate time travel, alternate realities give it to me, that's uh, that's all I, like, you are, you either like Marvel and you watch Loki and you're stoked for it or you don't like Marvel and,
1: yeah. Well, I'm actually in on that where it's when I say I'm not a fan of necessarily the Marvel universe but what I do like it is that when it gets weird, I can't avoid it from a content perspective. It is everywhere and it's all-consuming it's what dictates our media but I like it when it's, chucking a curveball it's trying something
0: out, out and it needs to go weird after uh, like 10 years of like pretty standard Formula like, formulaic it needs to get weird and um loki uh fallen in love with a female version of himself as the romantic crux of that season one it's pretty fucking weird well it's like wandavision
1: and loki they were they were trying out something quite experimental they they're throwing things at an audience because it's moved from big screen to a TV where it's allowing you to have that scope. So I really like those, even though I'm not into Marvel, where like... Because they're doing different stuff. Yeah, they're, they're trying something and it's also like creators now to get these big shows made, you almost have to link in with IP in some way. Like how we've, again, referencing back to Andor and stuff where to get stuff made with real ambition... It almost helps that it links into a pre existing IP. Yeah.
0: Um, so, do we want to round up our five? Let's wrap up our five and then we'll um, do just two minutes on some honorable mentions and wrap it up. So, give me your five and their prices that you paid. I have Succession, the Leviathan, the number one pick at $700. <laughs> Really limited you for the rest But not some bad shows on the rest of the list Um then
1: following up from that Is I had From a show that I have not seen and do not intend to see (laughs) I just took it because it's one of your Shows that you wanted I picked that up for 150 lucky You and then I picked out Boy Swallows Universe coming to Netflix Uh followed up with Perry Mason And then White House Plumbers Those last three picked
0: up For the pittance of $50 Um so mine, I got Auntie Donna Coffee Cafe coming to ABC for $550. I think it's a bit of a overpriced show, but if anyone watched uh, their YouTube channels or Big Old House of Fun on Netflix, you know it's probably worth it. It's going to be the weirdest comedy of the year, I'd say. Um, and then going from there, we've got Mandalorian Season 3 on Disney Plus for 200 The revival of Party Down for 100 which I think will be on Binge. Uh, it's on stars in the US. Yeah. So it'll be binge or Disney Plus Stars. Um, Yellow Jackets season two for a hundred. Hard to describe that show without spoiling it, so just go watch it on Paramount Plus, which probably no one has, but hey, get a month-long subscription for free. Watch Yellow Jackets, delete it. And finally, Loki season two fifty, as we just said. If you like Marvel, you love Loki. If you don't like Marvel, it's going to be pretty fucking weird. I like your list, and I also feel like you stole two off mine, and I stole one off yours, but I don't think it was worth it, (laughs) because I mean, I know the shows that I stole off you, whereas you have no idea what From is, so yeah, um, I've I've snookered myself. This is episode one, so uh, of the advanced screening. We're going to try to get ourselves an Instagram and a Twitter page where we can post our lists. If you want to go vote for what you're looking forward to the most, just to you know get out on the socials, connect with the audience that's out there. Oh. Uh, <laughs> us... um, Tom just cringed into his own soul with that <laughs> one. Um, I had a few honorable mentions in before we wrap up. Um, Hello tomorrow. Did you see the trailer for this? Mm-hmm. No. Hello Tomorrow is a 70s set show uh, with a lot of future technology starring Billy Crudup. where they're selling. Oh, up, the Apple TV Apple show, TV. I have. They're selling timeshare on, the on the moon. Or are they? Um, Rabbit Hole with Charles Dance and Keith Sutherland is a spy series coming to Apple TV Plus. So, like, yes, okay, because Apple TV yeah. has some of the best TV shows. They um, don't have a big list, but what they're producing is normally really good, is yeah. the best. And finally, um, just because I couldn't put the boys on my list because it comes out the second half of the year, I put their spin-off show, Gen V. Yeah. Which um, will be coming to Amazon, which is going to promise the same gore and ridiculousness. But this world-building of... World-building, essentially showing all the kids who grew up with the compound that makes them a superhero goes to university. And so it's a university full of superheroed kids who will probably kill and fuck each other to death. Um, any wrap-ups? Any thoughts? F1? Feeling good? Lydia Tar Igot, let's go. It's a good place to wrap it. Thank you for listening to the event screening. We will see you next time.